Poland. Uh, things that come to mind. Not a whole lot. No. Uh, Polish sausages? No, I don't know anything about that country. <laughs> Pierogies. Is that it? We hope it's not. That's what we're going to try to show you. Welcome to Polcast, Pole and all that jazz. Hello, I'm Małgorzata Bonikowska. And I'm Tomek Kniat. Welcome to Polcast. Poland and all that jazz. Some of you may be wondering why we chose this tagline for our podcast. Well, it has something to do with music and with Chicago. Poland? And jazz? Exactly. Jazz played a huge role in Poland's fight with communism. It was actually a symbol of freedom and strongly linked with all genres of art that struggled for artistic independence. Jazz was banned from the radio. There were no jazz records in stores, no books, but Poles, as Poles always do, didn't give up. They learned all about jazz by listening to a shortwave radio broadcast of Willis Conover's Voice of America Jazz Hour. People smuggled jazz records from abroad, and that's where they got the inspiration to create their own quite famous Polish brand of jazz. Soon, this is what Polish jazz got to sound like. This is how in 1966 jazz inspired by Polish folk music sounded like. Mixing traditional folk motifs with jazz was one of the ways to get around government censorship. Jazz was not the only Western music banned by a communist Poland. For example, rock and roll was replaced by big beat. The name rock and roll was censored. Jazz is huge in Poland now. There are world-famous jazz players and composers and about 30 jazz festivals in Poland, highly regarded by the who is who in the world of jazz. We will come back to these interesting music issues. For now, here is a fragment of something special. Polish jazz composer, genius as they say, visionary Krzysztof Komeda, composed this famous lullaby from Oscar-winning Roman Polanski's movie Rosemary's Baby. jazz has another Polish connection. All That Jazz is the famous song from the musical Chicago. And Chicago, beautiful windy city, is really important for Poles. It has one and a half million Polish inhabitants. It is the second largest Polish city in the world. After Warsaw. You will hear all kinds of music here on Polcast, not only jazz. Music and much more than that. We want to talk about things that are of interest to our listeners and show how these things relate to Poland. 
We want to show valuable initiatives that people engage in in Poland and around the world. Modern Poland as an attractive country. Because it really is. And most of all, we really want our podcast to be fully interactive. So we're hoping for your feedback, comments, suggestions, whatever you want to tell us. Just get in touch with us through our website, mypodcast.com. So, let's get started. Have you ever thought how funny and weird the Polish language is? We all know that no means no, but does it always? Imagine that you hear a Pole talking on the phone and she keeps saying no. 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 Isn't it surprising? Her intonation does not imply any disagreement. Actually, she sounds as if she was agreeing with the other party. And if you see her, she's nodding. No. Hmm. Was that the Polish no or the English no? Well, uh, this one was in Polish, actually. No, but if I was speaking English, I would say, yeah, yes, uh-huh, or something like that. So really, what it simply means that Polish no can mean yes. It's very informal and colloquial, and it doesn't always work. I mean, you wouldn't answer a normal question with that. But, you know, you show that you agree with something that has been said. No tak. No tak. That's a really funny combination. It's like no, which really means yes, but it can be understood as no. And tak, which in Polish means yes. Andrzej Rozbicki is a passionate music teacher in Toronto's Bishop Morocco Thomas Merton Catholic Secondary School. Conductor and director of the Celebrity Symphony Orchestra, organizer of huge concerts with renowned musicians from Europe in which his music students regularly participate, he created a unique program for high school students, Music and History, approved by Ontario's Ministry of Education and implemented annually in collaboration with the Toronto Catholic District School Board and the Consulate General of the Republic of Poland. Three Weeks in Europe is an unforgettable close encounter with culture and history of the countries the students visit, which earns them a grade 11 or 12 history or music credit. In 2015, the students visited Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, Austria, Spain, Andorra, France and Monaco. Each trip starts with Poland, their teacher's home country. Museums, galleries, concerts, meeting musicians. The program is about living history. We get together at the school auditorium to listen to the participants' impressions. Joanna Górski comes from a Polish family. Jacob Brożyna is half Polish, half Canadian. And Daniel Pedro's family is Portuguese. Why Poland? It's sort of something of an untapped market in terms of historical interest. Uh, from the perspective of Western people, people living in Canada, they think of maybe some place like Normandy, France, or England as really the, the place in Europe you can go to live history. And I think that that's very much not true, that places in Central and Eastern Europe like Poland are very much the best place, places to live history. And even um, going places in, in rural Poland, which we went on the Rosbisky trips, places not so many tourists go mm -hmm. to, were definitely some of 
the better experiences in my opinion. I went on this trip because I wanted to just explore the world and just travel and try to like learn about how history and music are connected and Polish culture, how it all mixes. And it was an amazing experience. I went uh, three years in a row. I, I was uh, I was only 14 or 13. I was in grade eight the first time I went. So yeah, it's been every single year of high school I've gone on these trips. And I have to say it was an amazing experience, one I will never forget. And just the mix of being there with your friends, you're learning about all the music, the culture, the history, you're meeting new people, and it's just overall an amazing experience. Why not just learn history from textbooks? Because it's just so fun the way we're learning. We're together as friends, and it's it's not it's not like just a textbook because you're actually learning it hands-on. You're experiencing it live and to the fullest, other than just reading. Whether because that could be you know more boring, right? So this is just like a fun way to get younger people involved in the mm -hmm. culture. I mean, I, I completely agree. As someone who's been interested in history for my entire life, it's I, I find it incredibly difficult to get uh, students, especially in Canada interested in history just using books and materials like that and it was it made me very happy to see kids on the trip who were discovering some of these cultural and historical things for the first time and really really living to enjoy them and, and getting some maybe some bad stereotypes about you know Poland or European countries sort of out of their heads immediately special moments well, I remember that on the third trip it was actually the the first day of the entire journey I guess we had just landed in Warsaw and everybody was tired and we were kind of walking around the old town. And whereas uh, traditionally Warsaw isn't considered Poland's most beautiful city, I think it's probably the city that has, I don't know, I suppose it has the strongest char character to me. When we were walking through the old town and I was trying to envision Warsaw after 1944, where 70% where of the city was completely razed. And I mean, looking at the architecture that was, it was an original, but the way they rebuilt it, I think that was absolutely amazing, just to see how Poland was able to rebuild itself, literally from its foundations. And I think, I mean, I guess that could be applicable to Europe itself, how despite all the wars and like the, the diseases and just like all, all these misfortunes that ravaged this continent, how despite all this in the 21st century, it was able to collect itself and really rebuild itself and create a, like a strong new like vision for itself. Lessons learned. What is interesting is I'm actually doing a double degree in both music and history, which I suppose could be tied directly back to the trips. I mean, I think that the two go hand in hand um, very well because, well, first and foremost, if you analyze history and you look at all these powerful empires, a good sign of a flourishing kingdom or whatever state it was, was the arts. I mean, it always symbolized wealth, it always symbolized prosperity, and whenever the, the government could invest, it could when it could... Uh, could hire all these these different musicians, for instance, then that was a very good sign of the, the state's prosperity. And I think that's very interesting because you have all these composers that were commissioned, like Bach, you have Haydn, and like they their works are known to us because they were actually hired to create something for the state, to create something that would last over the centuries. And I think that's what's really interesting, is that through music you can actually learn about the history of any given place or time. Well, I, I definitely feel that, that uh, students in Canada are aware of sort of classical music and that, that music culture which exists in Poland, what was what I really loved about the trip was um, going into Poland immediately, Dr. Rozbitski is organizing all these cultural outings and children not of a Polish background would go and I remember on the last trip there was uh, an, an Italian and he, he was just completely uh, astounded. His, his expectations of Poland like if Poland soared right past his expectations, you know, many people think it's a communist era uh, concrete block, uh, which is very much not true, and it was very interesting to see how it was the music 
uh, as part of the history that really changed their opinions about that. I think that modern Western culture, like we have the wrong mentality when we're thinking of other countries on Earth because there are just so many places and that when you think about big continent like Europe, right away you think of the more popularized countries, like you think of Paris, and like in France, you think of Rome and Italy, but people don't remember that there's other stuff around that. And when you go into Poland, it's just so different and no one ever talks about it, but I think that should be changed in the way people talk now, because it's, I, I've been there personally and I would go again and again because it's just so amazing. And I think that people should just travel and give places a chance. Things that were interesting in Poland. It's just how everything just ties in. When you walk into a museum, you're looking at art, you have the music, you have the atmosphere, you have all the food, it's just amazing, and it's architecture, the history, it just all ties in very well together. As a kid, I was, all, I was constantly reading about Poland, and I felt like I didn't really have an understanding. It was, I had a very vague idea of what Poland was, and I had really no idea about the mentality of Polish people, or even basic stuff like how Polish people interact with each other on the street, which is completely different from what they do here, how you interact with a cab driver. The most impressive or compelling thing about you know, Polish culture compared to Canadian culture is that sort of the underlying um, historical consciousness, how people in Poland think about the world today is very much reflected about what happened in history and it can be something that happened in a neighboring village or it, it can be thinking of stuff like a, the refugee crisis or what's happening in Ukraine. And it's always a very historically informed opinion which I really appreciate. Things that were weird or surprising in Poland. Well, this is something that might be very, uh, you know, people might be taken aback with it first. People coming from Canada had how uh, maybe frank uh, Polish people can be with each other. Uh, you know, if you don't like your cousin's shirt, you, you're going to tell your cousin, I don't like that shirt, you should take it off. And uh, interacting with people on the street, you know, uh, even standing in line, you can have cashiers in Poland who are very, very, very much about business. And it's not that they're being rude to you, and maybe they didn't say the most pleasant thing, but it's just a new experience, and you have to recognize that this is what people have been living like. Uh, how difficult the language is. I knew it was going to be difficult, but like, I didn't have a lot of background with the Polish culture, so I'm like, you know what, Poland, Portugal, they're not that far from each other, right? <laughs> they both start with the same letters, but no. Polish language. Favorite Polish food. Polish sausage. Oh, actually no, I'm gonna change it. Pierogies. Just cheese, just regular cheese filled with pierogies, but like like fried and bacon, you know, oh, bacon with onions, just the best. I I really love Polish kashanka, which is something a lot of people in Poland don't even enjoy. It's kind of old school. It's blood sausage, but I just I love kashanka. I suppose whatever yabłocznik my babcia whips up is. Definitely my favorite. In copious amounts, of course. There's no such thing as I'm not hungry. It's <laughs> yes, you are. Canada versus Poland. I think that it's, it's very good that these two things are different. I mean, in, in Canada, you can sample culture from anywhere in the world right at your fingertips. Uh, whereas what's great about Poland is you can go there and you can experience Polish culture to the fullest. You're, I mean, you're not going to get much of anyone else's culture, but that, then again, that's not why one would usually go there. And I think. Although, I think Canada can learn a tremendous amount from countries like Poland, European countries, about uh, being aware of their own history. Um, as someone who's half Canadian, my, 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 my mother's family have been living in Canada for, at, at the most, almost 300 years, and a lot of people tend to completely neglect 
Canadian history entirely. And I think that's very unfortunate, and it's definitely not something they do in Poland. So uh, maybe just in the general society or Canadian educators have a lot to learn from countries like Poland so they can sort of bring back what happened in this country to become a, a part of daily life. And there is more, there is so much more. So for all the visuals, because we cannot show them in the podcast, links, more material, videos, and the full-length interview, because this was just short edited version, come and visit our website, mypodcast.com. Well, our podcast is a really good opportunity to teach some Polish, uh, I mean, the Polish language. Well, like swearing, because that's how most people learn. Yeah, a lot of people start with swear words. But actually, you never get the feel for the swear words in a foreign language. Usually, you, can, you can't tell whether this is too much, too strong. Yeah, they, they have a different feeling. But, you know, when you translate swear words, sometimes they, can, they come across really, really funny. Like this one, right? Pshakrev. Would you believe what it really means in English when you translate it literally? It means dog's blood. I love Polish cinema. This is a cinema of personal vision, a very strong social commitment, and a poetic responsibility from which we've all learned and which sets a very, very high standard that as a filmmaker, I strive to achieve with every film that every time out. Contemporary Polish cinema is very different. It's wide-ranging. It reflects the vibrant democratic society of Poland today. Uh, and so we have a wide range of things. It's really an incredible opportunity to discover for yourself the great power of Polish cinema. You've just heard Martin Scorsese's remarks about Polish cinema, which he admires and promotes. Polish film is also promoted by numerous Polish film festivals all over the world. One of them is right in the heart of the world's film industry, in Hollywood. Polish Film Festival Los Angeles was created in 1999. In its 16 years, it has shown over 700 Polish films produced between 1957 and now. The audience met with around 300 filmmakers and guests from Poland, and around 100 filmmakers from Hollywood judged the films and awarded prizes for the best Polish features, documentaries, animations and shorts. Behind all this is Vladek Yushkevich. In 1999, when I was organizing screening of Fire and Sword, Ogiem Mietem, and I found out that there was interest in, 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 in Polish film. People were coming, not on the audience, but, but, uh, but Hollywood. They thought that this was a perfect film, uh, bringing uh, all the costumes, props, and, and, and all, all those things. Said, why not to showing Polish film in, 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 in Hollywood? And, and I did uh, my birthday party, asking people, please don't bring any gifts, but bring donation to the festival. And I collect about about $800, it was a seat money, to start the festival. Some people were looking at me like, are you crazy? Polish Film Festival in Hollywood, why? For whom? But I proved that, that there is a audience, not only the, the, the Polish audience, but that the uh, American and, and uh, Hollywood audience. We need to know that uh, right now, 
in Los Angeles, there's 300 film festivals a year. The, the competition and fighting uh, for the audience, because we're fighting for uh, not the whole audience, but for people who want to come and read subtitles. And we start inviting American filmmakers to be a jurors, and some of the jurors, uh, they admitted they saw it Polish film first time. The group of, of people which we're trying to call friends of the festival are, are growing, and some of them are members of, of, of the Academy. When they see a Polish film there, I think they look differently uh, or pay attention when they see, when they hear Polish film. This is what 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 I think uh, it's it's the biggest achievement of the festival. The other things, the, the age of the audience. If you, if you look at the, at the age right now, you see young people, and and through them we are getting to young American. Because the older Polonia, somehow, I don't know why, didn't bring uh, their American friends. The young uh, Polish-American, they bring their American friends. I was lucky enough to be a juror on the uh, the feature film competition, and and it was a, the hardest decision of my whole life. There are f four, actually now, uh, fantastic films. I think that the the storytelling and the craft and the acting were all supremely superb and uh, and they actually had something to say which is not uh, the usual case in American movies. One of the things that I was so excited about and surprised because this is my first year judging is that the films were so superior to a lot of our films. Hollywood people are difficult to get but when they showed up, it's 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 something. You have the award for Polanegri Award for American uh, actor or director for collaboration with with Polish filmmakers, and and uh, we had few of them which which showed up was was Ed Harris, Michael York, and John Foyt. John Foyt, who was portraying John Paul II. One more thing which some people are saying they're waiting for, it's uh, at the beginning of the festival, we have uh, Polish and American national anthem. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the anthem is sung by gospel choir. So if you see African-American on stage and singing in Polish, Polish national anthem, uh, so it makes kind of impression for those who don't know Polish. It, it, it's it's excited that that they hear somebody can uh, pronounce and then can 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 sing in Polish. And now for the moment we have all been waiting for, and the Oscar goes to. Like it? Sure, who doesn't? Strauss, Waltz, Vienna. But what does it have to do with Poland? Coffee? Thanks. Yep. Well, I still don't get it. Now you've changed the music. That's a waltz, too, but this one is by Chopin. Chopin composed a lot of waltzes. And he was Polish. 
Like coffee. Do you know that coffee comes from Poland? No way. Everybody knows it doesn't. Well, the legend has it there was a guy, Jerzy Franciszek Kulczycki, who opened the first coffee house in Vienna sometime in 17th century. 200 years later, there was a monument erected and street named after him. And until this day, traditional coffee houses in Vienna display his portrait as a sign of following tradition of making the coffee the good old way. That's the legend. Well, yeah, that's the legend, but there's some history behind it. For example, the fact that this man, Jerzy Franciszek Kurczycki, was a very interesting person. He was a Polish nobleman, he was a merchant, but he was also a spy a diplomat and a soldier. And on top of this, he was fluent in at least six languages, which included Turkish, German, and of course, Polish. And a real hero in Vienna for his actions in a very important battle. Well, there was a Turkish siege of Vienna, obviously, in 17th century, and people of Vienna were almost ready to give up. They were almost ready to surrender. And he's the guy who brought the news of coming relief, coming army led by Polish King John III Sobieski, the army who saved Vienna from Turks' occupation. This is the army, this is the Battle of Vienna that basically saved Europe from Turkish occupation back in 17th century. So obviously he became a local hero, he was awarded a great amount of money, a house and coffee coffee seized by that Polish king from Turks. So what did he do with this coffee that he got? What he did is he opened a first uh, coffee house in Vienna, which was near the cathedral, it had a really nice name, House Under the Blue Bottle. And it was thanks to him that coffee became really popular in Austria. And his place, this coffee shop, became one of the most popular places in Vienna in order to commemorate this whole Turkish thing and the siege of Vienna and the fact that they won, he was always serving his coffee wearing a Turkish attire. And of course, this made this place even more popular. But what is really interesting is the innovation that he introduced, which was to serve coffee with milk, a matter that was totally unknown to Turks. So was he really the first? We probably will never know for sure. Well, we won't know, but how do you take your coffee? I take my coffee with milk. There we go. So, see, it is all because of Kulczycki. Nobody's questioning one thing. The fact that it was him who invented coffee with milk. Hey guys, what can I get for you? Uh, I'd like to get a large half-calf scalded almond milk latte, four pumps vanilla, one pump cinnamon with an extra half shot, sweetened with agave nectar at 167 degrees with room for cream. will present you a sound from Poland, a very well-known sound from Poland, with hope that maybe you will recognize it. Or if you don't know it, maybe you will want to 
just give it a guess. And in the following episode, well, we'll tell you what it was. This particular sound is very short. It's the most well-known sound from Poland. So, here it is again. Maybe you know where you need to be in Poland in order to hear this melody and why it ends so suddenly. If you don't, just listen to our next episode or just give it a try. Good luck! You're listening to Polcast. For more, visit mypolcast.com. Well, this is it for our pilot episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please visit our website for more. You can also contact us through this uh, website, but also through Facebook and all other possibilities. We hope to hear from you soon. We leave you with one of the most beautiful pieces of Polish film music, Another Worlds, from Noce Dnie, Nights and Days, film made in 1975, directed by Jerzy Antczak a member of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences who lives in Los Angeles. The film is an epic adaptation of a well-known pre-war novel by Maria Dombrowska. The film was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film, and at the Berlin International Film Festival in 1976, Jadwiga Barańska won the Silver Bear for the Best Actress. Poles and Poland love the film. Just recently, at the 40th Polish Film Festival in Gdynia, Poland, it was awarded the title of the best Polish film of the last 40 years, and Jadwiga Barańska won the prestigious award for the best Polish actress of the last 40 years, Diamond Lion Award. Listen and enjoy. Enjoy.